Okay, good morning, everyone. Um, I just want to preface that what I'm about to say, I'm not David, but I totally feel like wearing Saul's armor right now because I've never done this before. It's either Saul's armor or Britney Spears is what I heard. So take your pick, take your pick. You can say whatever you want. Um, so we're, we're going to be this morning in the book of First Peter. So it's, uh, we're doing a three-part series, um, Upward, Inward, and Outward. And it's all talking about different relationships that Christians have with other people. And, and so upward is our relationship with God. Inward is our relationship with the church. And outward is our relationship with the world. And so I get to do the fun portion, which is our, the upward, the relationship with God. And as you can see, they're all out of order, but it just would look weird if upward is over there. So you're just going to have to deal with it. But yeah, so if you would turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, um, and we're going to be going through 21. But before we do that, I am going to pray because Lord knows that I need it. So, dear Lord, just thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the cloud thing that keeps happening. I just pray that you would bless this time, that you would help all of the equipment to cooperate with me, and that you would just speak today, that you would get me out of the way, that it wouldn't be just me being funny or, you know, that I would make it all about me, Lord, but I just pray that you would be honored and you would be glorified, that you would speak to your people, that you would use me, a willing servant, an unworthy servant of your word. So I just pray that you would bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so before we get started, is this going to be a problem? For Okay, um, so before Marie and I got married, right, fun story, oh, just done, okay. Saul's armor's getting off. You're good. That's cool. That's true. Just, just let it, just let it drop. Was that a mic drop? I don't know. I'm not gonna say it wasn't, but it totally was. Um, yeah. So before Marie and I got married, we got to do marriage counseling. Very fun. Very exciting. There she is. Hi, Maria. I love you. Um, and so we got to do marriage counseling with Pastor Waxer, and he said a lot of cool things about green cars in Japan and boulders, all code words for different conflicts. But one of the awesome things that he got to share with us that we've seen in action is this thing called perception is king, okay? And it's talking about that a lot of times when you're communicating with your spouse, it, it was very important how they see it instead of what you're actually saying. And, and this perception is king is kind of what we're going to be focusing on for this message and how that perception, how that perspective affects our relationship with God. And so I'm going to tell us another really fun story. That was just context to build the story. So that's me. Yeah, that's me. Definitely, I'm a really good Photoshopper. Um, and that's me backing out of my driveway. And we have a very special driveway, unique. Um, it's very narrow, and we have neighbors, and they like cars and motorcycles and a giant truck. So we have four cars, four motorcycles, and a giant truck. It's really cool. And we 
I get the pleasure of backing out of that driveway. So there's a lot of things, a lot of obstacles that I could hit. So I'm backing out with Maria, and I'm reversing slowly, carefully, because I'm not trying to hit anything. And all of a sudden, ba-bam, motorcycle meets back of car meets world. And, and of course, my reaction is, Maria, why didn't you tell me that there was a motorcycle right there? You know, I'm looking, I'm looking in my mirror, I'm looking in that mirror, I don't see it. I'm looking in this mirror, I'm looking backwards, and I'm like, okay, Maria, like, you could totally see that thing, what's wrong with you? And, because I mean, why would I take responsibility for my actions when I could just blame her, you know? It so makes so much more sense. To which, of course, she replied, you didn't ask for help. I just kind of thought it went without saying, but whatever. And so here we see Hojo getting himself into trouble twice. One time, because he didn't have the right perspective, and he hit the motorcycle. And the second time, because he didn't have the right perspective of the situation, and blame Maria. So we, I apologized, and it was all good. But, And also, I just never told my neighbor. And, and, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I told them, and they said, oh, it's fine. I mean, it was just a tiny scratch, so... Yeah, anyways. Perspective. Our perspective can change a lot, right? It can be the difference between hitting a motorcycle and not hitting a motorcycle. Big difference. Having a good attitude and a bad attitude throughout your day. And the last one, having a strong relationship with the Lord and not. And the last one is obviously what we're going to be focusing on. For all of you who didn't want to hit motorcycles... I'm sorry. Um, the upward relationship. How important perspectives are to have a healthy relationship with our king. And before we get into that, we're going to read the passage. Because in this passage, there's a whole bunch of different perspectives that are inferred in the passage. And I want to go over them with us to kind of show how much they can change and affect our relationship with God. So... If you would read along with me, I'm going to read it because I'm such a good reader. hate to brag. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come humbly before your word. We ask that you would speak this morning, that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to see your word rightly, that this time would be a time that honors and glorifies you, and that we would be ready to accept your word and be obedient to the calling that you have on our lives. So we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so looking at perspective number one, okay, how we see God pretty important perspective, and then we can see that in the first verse. And what I want to say is that everything we do or don't do is influenced by how we see God, right? If we believe God to be good, 
If we believe him to be bad, powerful, omnipresent, non-existent, all of that is going to affect the way that we live. And so, but before we get into the correct way that we view God, let's look at some common but wrong ways that we can view God. And the first one is a genie, right? He's sad. Look how sad he is. Aw. Genie. And, and to say that, you know, if, if you see God as a genie and it's like, okay, you didn't do what I wanted. Did I run out of wishes? Are you not real? Is that what's going on? He's just, that's not the God that we serve. He's not just here to grant all our wishes. He's not indifferent. God cares about this world. He created this world. And, and, and these are a lot of common views that people who don't know Jesus can have. And the last one's non-existent, very bad view to have of God. And we can see that all of these would definitely affect the way that we see God and our relationship with him. If I thought he was non-existent, I'd have a pretty poor relationship with him. Um, but there are two correct perspectives that are referenced in this passage. And so we're going to take a closer look at that. If you address as father in verse 1, and the second one is the one who impartially judges according to work. So you can look in the passage and you can see that in verse 17. And, and you'll see both of those phrases. But we're going to break those down just a little bit. Okay, so when we, if you address as father, that's the first one. And if we see God as our father, right, who loves us, cares for us, provides for us, um, disciplines us, we begin to fear, love, and obey him, right? But he is still the one who impartially judges. So if you'll notice, one is for sure, right, the one who impartially judges. There's no if, there's no maybe, that's who he is. But the if part is if you address him as father. That's, that's the one that's not for sure. And, and I, and I want to say that because it's important when I talk about this, the perspective, the importance of perspective in our relationship with God. While perspective does affect our relationship with him, it doesn't actually change who he is. Right? Just because, you know, we don't see God, if we see God as not real, that doesn't mean anything. He's still real. And if we don't see him as the one who impartially judges, it doesn't matter. He still is. And that's important when we talk about these perspectives, that we don't just change who God is because that's my view of him. He is who he is. Um, so with that, I'm going to go into the second one, and we're, we're going to talk more about this, but the one who impartially judges, right? Oh, I actually should give you some more slides. I'm just talking, you know. So the primary way that Christians should view God is as their father, right? So if you are a Christian, if you know Jesus, if you've confessed him as Lord, if you've put your faith in him and repented of your sin, then you are a Christian. And the primary way that you should view God is as your father, not as an omnipotent dictator, not as a genie, not as whatever. He is your father who loves you, provides for you, cares for you, and He's still the one who impartially judges. And uh, my slide's awesome. Yep, it is. Uh, anyone who's not a Christian does not have the right to view God as their father. That's important. It's not just 
you know, everyone is God's children. That's not true. Not everyone is God's children. Not everyone is God's son. Not everyone is God's daughter. So anyone who is not a Christian, anyone who has not put their faith in Jesus, cannot call God their father. That's why it says, if you address his father. So the only perspective left for a person who isn't a believer is the, still the correct one, but the one who impartially judges according to works, right? According to their works. And, and we'll get more into that. I'm not into works-based salvation, just thought I'd preface that. Um, when someone sees God for who he really is, right? So if, you are, if you're not a Christian and, and you've seen this and... and you see that, that God is still who he is. That God is still the one who impartially judges according to their works. That should honestly cause fear. And, and who God is and who we are should cause fear. And I want to show us in uh, just this passage in Isaiah 6. I'm just going to give you a little description of it. We're not going to read it all. But Isaiah has this vision, right? He has this vision, and he, and he sees God sitting on a throne, high, lofty, and exalted. And the train of his robe fills the temple, and there's the seraphim around him singing at holy, holy, holy. And, and Isaiah sees this, and this is his reaction, a very appropriate one. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And Isaiah sees God for who he is. And he cries out, I'm screwed. And it's because he is. It's because we are. We are a people who, in the sight of a holy and righteous God, are done. We're toast. Just like what he's saying. And a pastor I listened to once said, The most terrifying thing I can tell you about God is that he's good. And, and what that means is that because God is so good, in the face of our own evil, in the face of our own corruptness, we're screwed. We're done. Because God is so good, and he's so righteous, and he is so just, that when we look at ourselves in comparison to who God is, all we can say is, woe is me. Which gets into our next point, and I'm going to come back around to this. I don't, I'm not just going to end it on, oh, sorry, you're all done. See ya. Let's the worship team come back up. No. And the next point is how we see ourselves. That's Maria. I still love her. And, uh, and it's the verse 18, right? Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers. And how we see ourselves affects our relationship with God because check this out oh oh no what just happened anyways I don't even need that um, what happens is oh Danny's gonna fix it for me Danny to the rescue thanks Danny um, yeah so not everyone sees themselves that way and, and what I mean by that way is when the verse says in verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers. To be redeemed means you have to actually 
believe that you need to be redeemed, right? That you see yourself as a person in need of redemption. Not, and, and not everyone sees themselves that way. Not everyone sees themselves as a person who needs redemption. Not everyone sees their lives as a futile life that's, that needs to be redeemed. And so have we seen ourselves as a sinner in need of redemption, um, an enemy of God in need of rescuing? Or have we seen ourselves as not that bad or existent, independent of God? And, and these ways that we see ourselves are going to change our relationship with God. If we don't see ourselves in need of redemption, if we see ourselves as not that bad or, or as people who don't really need God, then if, that, if that's the case, then your relationship is not going to be doing too well. And... Um, yeah, I want to go over some natural and common ways that we can tend to see ourselves. And, and here they are. <laughs> so a lot of the times we can see ourselves as deserving of good, entitled to freedom, worthy of love, intrinsically valuable. And, I mean, you can see that all over social media, self-love. Um, that's, that's what I'm thinking of, honestly. And that kind of encompasses all of it, but self-love is such like a huge movement, you know, that we're deserving of good, that we're entitled to freedom, worthy of love, intrinsically valuable, and some of those are true because of Jesus, but outside of Jesus and his work, that's just not the case. The Bible says in, in Ephesians 2 that we're children of wrath, that we're strangers to the covenant promise, having no hope and without God. Romans 3 says that there is none righteous, not even one. And that our tongues are like poison. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. That our hearts actually desire evil. And Genesis 2, 7 says that God formed man out of the dust. Out, and, and outside of God, in his work in us, we're no more valuable than the dirt outside. And if you're an avid Zillow guy like me, dreamer, you'll know that you're pretty, you're pretty expensive. So, a lot of times we can say, you know, I don't really think I see myself this way. Right? I don't think I see myself this way. That's Eli. That's Aaron. And, um, yeah, we can say, worthy of love? Like, I have self-esteem issues. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Hojo. I don't see myself this way. I don't see myself as deserving of freedom. And there's a test. There's a test for all of us here to see, okay, do we see ourselves this way? And everyone says, okay, I didn't study, but I'm ready. Here it is. Do we complain? I do. I'll be the first one to say it. Oh, yeah, I complain. When we see ourselves wrongly, we complain. When we, we are saying we deserve better than our current circumstances, that we don't deserve bad, and we are self-pleasing, self-serving, why don't I, how come they? And, and when we complain, we're showing, we're revealing our own hearts that we're not content with our circumstances, we deserve better, we should have. And, 
And the danger in seeing ourselves wrongly is that sometimes we don't see our need for a savior. Sometimes we don't see our need for Jesus because we think that sometimes we're good enough or we can do it or we don't need him. But when we put these views together, right, we put these, these views of, of God and who God is and that he is a father to the Christian and the one who impartially judges to, to the person who doesn't believe in Jesus, with the view of who we truly are, that, that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that we are people who are strangers to the promise, without hope and without God, there's a bit of a conflict there. You know, when the, the issue that we're wicked sinners, enemies of God, aliens to the promise, next to the holiness and righteousness of God, we're in trouble. And Isaiah sees this problem, right? And that's why Isaiah is talking about, man, I'm toast. And we have the same issue. We're toast. And it becomes so clear how badly we need a Savior. And that's where Jesus comes in. And the third perspective that I want to talk about is how we see Jesus. Right? And so in 1 Peter 1... 19 and 20, just the next part, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God. And I'm not supposed to read that part, so I'm just going to erase that from your mind. Rewind. Um, so for the sake of you. So there's a lot of different opinions on Jesus. And I'm going to show them to you. Here they are. So atheists will say that he's a nice guy, a good teacher, or they'll say he didn't even exist. Mormons will say that he's the first son of God, brother of Lucifer, both literal offspring, a created being. Muslims will say that he's a prophet, just like Muhammad, but just a man, still just a man. And Jehovah's Witness will say that he's Michael the Archangel, not God. And so here we have a lot of different, and even conflicting amongst themselves, and especially conflicting with the Christian view of Jesus. And, <laughs> and if these perspectives are true, right, if any one of these perspectives are true, that Jesus is only a nice guy, he's only a good teacher, he's just a prophet, he, even Michael the archangel, right? If any of those are true, then his sacrifice wasn't enough. His sacrifice on the cross wasn't enough. And if you hold these perspectives, then you can't put your faith in Jesus because you don't know the real Jesus. And if someone, like if someone asked you, you know, or if you ask someone, hey, do you know Danny? And they said, yeah, I know Danny. He's the uh, super quiet girl who always wears green Crocs every day. That's, that's her thing. Most people would say, okay, so you don't know Danny. That's awesome. Uh, let me introduce you. And when, when you ask someone, hey, do you know Jesus? 
and they say, oh, yeah, Jesus, the, the guy who's just like Muhammad, the Satan's brother, the first son of God. It's, and if they put their faith in Jesus, then it's not a faith that saves because only the faith put in the true Jesus, the son of God, the creator of the universe, then that's the faith that saves. It, their faith is put in the wrong place. And we see how important our perspective of Jesus is now, <laughs> that if we don't see him rightly, it can affect our salvation. And so how should we see Jesus, right? Who is the real Jesus? Let's put, let's take a look at our text for the answer, of course. We'll read it again. But with precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. And there it is, the passage. I'm so good at these slides. But, okay, so let's take a look at it. Remember from verse 18, how, just so we know what we're talking about. Verse 18 was talking about being redeemed. And how we weren't redeemed by blood, uh, no, by gold, silver, or any of those things. We weren't redeemed by any of that. But we were redeemed with precious blood, right? And, th and that whole passage. So it's talking about what we are redeemed by. And so how should we see Jesus? As precious blood, unblemished lamb, spotless, foreknown. Right? These are, these are what we see in the text. This is how, this is who Jesus is. And what does that mean? Why are any of these important at all to know about Jesus? <laughs> well, these show that God's, that Jesus' sacrifice was enough. Right? We talked about why, why those perspectives of Jesus, why it wasn't enough. But here we're going to talk about and see why it is enough. And so, we see Jesus as precious blood, unblemished lamb, spotless. And if Jesus is these things, right, he can take away the sin of the world. God is satisfied by Jesus' sacrifice. And what makes Jesus' sacrifice sufficient, what makes it unique, is that it was perfect because... Jesus was man and God. And we say that a lot because of, you know, the Trinity, and we all know, we all believe it, but a lot of times we don't think about why that's important. And I want to say that it's important because only man was guilty of sin. Only man was guilty of sin, but only God was capable of absorbing, exhausting, and satisfying the wrath of God. Because... God's wrath is holy and infinite, and man could never pay for it. You know, a lot of the times we think of Jesus' sacrifice, and we think, oh, it was on the cross, it was on the cross, and it was. But that wasn't it. You know, it wasn't just he died a physical death. Because it was so much more. I don't think Jesus was sweating blood over, I mean, I'm, I probably would, because I'm a baby, but... I don't think Jesus was sweating over being beaten and dying on the cross because that's temporary. And, and, even, and for him, this 
punishment was going to be so much more. It was, it was the infinite and holy wrath of God, a just God on, on enemies of God, sinners. And so we could never satisfy that wrath, and, and, but only man was guilty. And so Jesus fulfills everything. He says he comes as a man so that he can take the place of a man, take the place of us, that we would be able to go free. But only God could satisfy his own wrath because only God is infinite. And he, God was able to absorb and satisfy the wrath of God on our behalf for his glory and our good. And not only that, he was foreknown, which means it was God's plan all along. That God's plan was to rescue us from our sins, that Jesus would come, that he would take our place. And not just that, but, and, and we see that when he says, he has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. For the sake of you, for the sake of me, Jesus has come. Jesus comes to take away our sin. That this problem in our in, in who we are and this problem of who, well, not this problem, it's just our problem, but who God is and the problem of who we are is taken care of by the person of Jesus and what he came to do. And we can see in the next portion we have a big problem, and, and, and I mentioned it earlier, but it's important because it's the main thing, that we have a problem. And all these perspectives just highlight that issue. The perspective of who God is, the perspective of who we are, and the perspective of who Jesus is. But what I want to share and what the good news is, is how Jesus changes everything how Jesus changes all of these perspectives that who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So we see that through Jesus we are these things. And when Jesus died on the cross, he changed these perspectives. It was a righteous God who judges impartially, right? That's still who he is. But now we can see him. <laughs> I'm looking at this slide. Father, you're welcome. Father, and, and we get to, that's changed. That's transformed. You know, we go from, from a righteous God who impartially judges, seeing him as that, that's still seeing him rightly. But we're changed. Our perspective is changed so that we can now see him as father. That's why it says, if you address him as father. And the next one is rebel sinner, child of wrath, evil. That's us. That is a correct perspective of us. And that's a hard pill to swallow, but that is who we are outside of Christ. And that's exactly what the Bible says. So if you have a problem with that, talk to the Bible. And, but we can have a changed perspective of ourselves, and, and not only, and we'll talk about this in a second, but, and we go to redeemed, and now it's just faith, because the R's covered up, but redeemed, right, we go from a rebel sinner to redeemed, and we become believers in God, and the most important perspective that Jesus is going to change, right, it's not, 
it's not how we see God, because Jesus is going to change all of these. It's not how we see God. It's not how we see ourselves. And it's not even how we see Jesus. The most important perspective that God is going to change is his view of us. God's view of us changes, and that's what's most important. That's the most important perspective that's going to happen here. And <laughs> here it is. You want to see God's view of us before? Liars, cheaters, thieves, murderers, rebels, haters of God. Take your pick, right? We're all of these things, and God sees us guilty of every single one of them, right? This is God's view of us. And just like how, remember when we talked about this, our perspective of God doesn't change who we are or doesn't change who he is. Our perspective of ourselves doesn't change who we are. Just because we say, oh, I don't see myself that way, doesn't matter. That's who you are according to God. And that is what matters. And only, but here's, here's the awesome part, is that God's perspective of us changes who we are. And it's not, it's not how we see ourselves, it's how God sees us. If you, if you can think back to Matthew chapter 7, I think, everyone's going to crucify me if I get it wrong, but it, it's talking about, you know, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, and, and what's Jesus' response to them? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Right? It wasn't, it wasn't, oh, you know, you see yourself as pretty cool. That's awesome. Or you see me as pretty cool. That's really great. God didn't know them. And that's the important perspective. Does God know us? Does God know us? And the awesome thing is that Jesus, how I was just talking about how he changes all the different perspectives Jesus even changes God's perspective of us. And so that when God views us, he doesn't see any of this anymore. He doesn't see liars. He doesn't see cheaters. He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. He sees God, Jesus, covering all of that sin. He sees Jesus taking care of all of it. He doesn't see it anymore. We are set free. We are cleansed. And we are covered by his righteousness and by his blood. And whether we see ourselves this way or not, you know, a lot of times we can feel like, a lot of times we can feel like we're not covered by Jesus. A lot of times we can condemn ourselves. We can feel like we need to do something to get right with God, to do something to change God's view of us. But it's already been changed. Jesus has already done that work. Jesus already died on the cross. He already did that. And when he did, this is what was accomplished. That all of Jesus' righteousness is now attributed to us. People who don't deserve it. People who are enemies of God. People who hate God have been transformed. Our hearts have been brought back to life from the dead. And our spirits are renewed. And Jesus is seen by God in us. And and now that God's view of us has changed, our view of self should align with that, right? 
our views, our perspectives should always align with God's perspectives. That, that we would see things the way that God sees things. That we would see our circumstances, our situations, our relationships, we would see them all the way that God sees them. We would see ourselves the way that God sees us. And, and we see that in the uh, same book, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. And once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So here we have a new identity, right? We're given a new identity. We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're all these things that God has, sees us now as because Jesus did that work. And he sees us new. He sees we have a new identity and not just a new identity, but we have a new purpose, right? To proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We have a new identity. We have a new calling as people who believe in God. And Jesus accomplished that so that we can see ourselves this way, so that we can, yeah, so that we can live in a way that honors God, live in a way that glorifies him, not in order to gain anything, not in order to, to do anything, but because God has already done that, because Jesus has already done that. And <laughs> yeah, I know that, like I said before, a, a lot of the times, and, and I, even I, I can fall into this too, of just feeling like, oh, well, I don't really see myself as a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You must be talking about someone else, because that's not me. And and a lot of the times, it takes a lot of prayer, a lot of time to actually come to grips with the fact that we are changed and we are new. And, and even though we don't always act like it, even though we don't always do that, it doesn't change actually who we are. Because, like I said, our perspective of ourselves doesn't change. Thank you. Uh, he said amen on the motorcycle. Our perspective of ourselves doesn't change who we are. Right? And that was true for the bad news, and it's true for the good news. That our perspective of ourselves doesn't change who we are just because we don't feel redeemed, just because we don't feel made new, just because we don't see ourselves in this new identity, in this new calling. It doesn't matter. Your perspective of yourself doesn't change who you are. Only God's does. And God's perspective of you is this. That you are changed, that you are transformed, that you have a calling, and that you should walk in this calling that God has placed on you. And uh, it's a pretty, pretty, just a pretty fun example. I was talking to Maria about it. There you go, Maria. <laughs> but uh, have you guys ever seen the Princess Diaries? I've, I've said this before at youth group, but I just saw a bunch of girls go, yes, yes. Everyone, all the guys were like, I had to. But in, the, in this story, I don't have a slide for it. I would have photoshopped myself in, but whatever. There is Mia, and she finds out that she is royalty, right? In this faraway European country. 
And she does all these things to like prepare to be royalty, right? But what she does doesn't actually affect any of her standing as royalty. She still is gonna be princess or queen, or it's been a while, all right, chill out. And I don't watch it every day. But she is still royalty. She can walk around with books on her head. She can learn how to eat properly. But if she messes all that up, it doesn't change that she's still royalty. And the same applies to us. She doesn't do any of these things. She doesn't learn how to become royalty because she, in order to become royal, but because she is. And the same applies to us in, in our relationship with God and, and our perspective of our relationship with him. It's not contingent on what we do. We don't do anything to become a chosen race, a royal priesthood, right? We don't abstain from sin. We don't read our Bible. We don't pray in order to become these things. We do it because we are, right? God has done that work. Jesus has done that work. And we already are these things, and we just do it because we are, to live in a way that's worthy of the calling that's been placed on our life. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Tyler's on it. I like that. And Jesus changes all these perspectives, right, so that we can see clearly who God is, who we are. And, and those two things should, should radically change the way that we live, that we wouldn't complain, that we would be a people who are content, that we would be a people who desire to honor God, that who desire to honor and live for him, to glorify him, not in order to gain anything, not because we want an extra crown in heaven, not because my mansion is going to be bigger than yours. I mean, it is, but it's fine. You know, but it's just that we do all these things because God has done this marvelous work in our lives, and all we are doing is proclaiming the excellencies of him who has called us out of the darkness and into his light. And we do that, we proclaim his excellencies with more than just words. We do it with the way that we live. We definitely do it with our words. But the way that we live, that would honor him and glorify him. And that's what I want for us this week, this morning, that our lives would honor and glorify him, that our perspective of him would be a righteous God who loved his people so much that he made a way for them to be reconciled back to him. That us, people, enemies of God, would come to know God rightly through the power of Jesus. And my prayer, my hope for us is that we would all desire to bring honor to him, glorify him. <laughs> and so let us allow Jesus to change our views, right? Let us allow Jesus to change the way that we see God. Let him change the way that we see ourselves and live a life more accurately that accurately portrays how we view God. So I'm just going to pray and then uh, you guys, yeah, you guys got it. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. And I just pray that you were honored this morning, that you were glorified. I pray that if anything was 
a blessing. If anything spoke to anyone, Lord, I just pray that you would receive all the glory and all the honor. And if anything I said that was dumb, not true, whatever, the slides were weird, Lord, that's all me. And I just pray that this whole time it would be about you, Lord, your work, and I just pray that you'd pour your spirit out on this place. So be with us this week. Help us to honor you. Help us to love you. Give us the strength. In Jesus' name, amen.